Welcome, everyone, to the In Off the Bench podcast. My name is Jim Cross, and I am joined by Jay Ness of the All Sports All Plays Network. This is episode three, titled Free Your Mind, where we will be joined by LSU soccer star Rami Noel. But first, you know, Jay, you're new to the show. Obviously, we've done some some ASAP Network stuff together, but this is your first time on the In Off the Bench podcast, man. Uh, excited to have you. Uh, you know, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be on the this podcast, and I'm just happy that you had me on. Yeah, we're absolutely stoked to have you. And, you know, this month, uh, one of the things that me and you're going to try to do is we're going to try to bring a spotlight, you know, to, to black athletes in the month of February. So I'm extremely excited to, to do that with you. But without further ado, let's have on our guest, Rami Noel. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. We are blessed. We are honored to have you on the show. Been trying to get this set up for a while. And, you know, we've got way too too many dudes coming through here. You know, we need some female athletes, some some beasts on the field. You know, as a, as a dad of a, a daughter who plays soccer, as you know, we were just down there for camp. I don't think women get enough shine. So we needed to get you on here and mix it up a little bit. We've been talking to too many of these baseball cats. So we're, we're honored to have you on here. But before we, we get into your story, you know, I got to ask you a question. You know, with your name, is Rami your real name? Rami is my real name. And do people ask you that commonly like I just did? Mm, no, I think it's uh, pretty understood, I would say. It's just a cool name. That's why I asked. And like, so that's why I asked if it was real, because some people might think you just made that up to go with it. I think it is a very unique name. Um, You don't see a lot of Ramey's often. So, I mean, it's a cool question. Okay. I would ask if I were you. <laughs> I'm just plain old Jim. I'm boring as it gets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, with that, uh, you know, where are you from? I'm from Karen Crow, Louisiana. That's right. From the boot, you're a native. So I see you are one of five siblings. You know, where do you fall in that mix? You the youngest, the middle, the oldest? I am the youngest girl. Um, I do have four brothers and I have a sister. Um, eight years ago, she passed away due to like a really traumatic event. But for now, I'm like the only girl. Hmm. Well, sorry to hear about your sister. And then sorry oh, to yeah. hear that you have to grow up with nothing but dudes, man. <laughs> But it only made I, you stronger, right? Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty grateful for that. I mean, I get to understand the male species. Um, <laughs> I played sports with them. That's why I'm so hardcore, I would say, and tough. So I think that was a good thing for me. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Watching you play and seeing your competitive driving spirit, it, it all makes sense now. And we'll, we'll get into that here shortly. But, uh, you know, growing up in Louisiana, obviously my family's from there. I'm there constantly, um, you know it's a whole different culture there. It's a, people who, you know, aren't from there or don't spend a lot of time there uh, just don't understand it. What's your favorite part about Louisiana? I guess I would say the culture, the welcomeness that everybody brings. Um, I think everyone from Louisiana have a passion and regardless if it's the same or it's different, like we all have the same drive and like this ambition that we have, like we go hard with whatever we do. And I love where I'm from. 
Yeah, no doubt. I love where you're from. I'd rather live there than here. Mississippi sucks. All (laughs) all my Mississippi listeners, I'm sorry. But, uh, (laughs) you know, with with that, you know, uh, we know you're a soccer star, but was soccer the only sport you played growing up or were you a multi-sport athlete? Well, I played basketball for half, I guess, half of middle school and high school. I had to pick one once I got to high school, like to focus on. I didn't know what I wanted to go to college for, but I've been playing soccer since I was three years old. So it was, it was no, it was no guessing that I was going to pick soccer, but I played basketball, ran track a little bit, didn't really enjoy track, but I would say basketball is probably like my second love. Yeah. Now track made sense because of how fast you are, no doubt, but (laughs) could you hoop? You got a jumper? A little bit. It's probably rusty now. I mean, I haven't played in like five years. I was going to say, we're going to find out. Next time I'm down there, we're going to find a court. We're going we're gonna to play horse because I ain't trying to run, but we can shoot all day. For sure. I'm down. All right. So, you know, you said you had uh, you had to kind of pick one once you got around to the high school uh, age. You know, what high school did you go to? I went to Acadiana High in Scott, Louisiana. Yeah, and I see there you got four district titles under your belt playing uh, soccer. Also, four-year honor roll student. So, Ah, you you smart one, huh? I have to work really hard. So that, so so that's the question I got for you <laughs> so, right here in my notes. You know, was that so? That's basically that was the, the that was a yes. That was a that was a <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a yes. <laughs> yeah, she, she, hey, she's trying to be humble, Jay. I like it. It's good, right? <laughs> but so that was the question I was going to have. You know, with playing high school ball, with playing club ball for you know Lafayette, Cajun Rage, and then staying on top of your grades. You know, how do you manage all that and be successful at all of them? I think it has to do with where you want to get in life and, you know, to be able to play in college, you have to keep your grades up. And I think I practiced that a little bit in high school. I wasn't always the honor roll student or like really motivated to keep my grades up, but I knew that I want to play soccer and I know that I want to accomplish a lot of more goals that I have for myself. And in order to do that, I have to perform in academically and and on the field so it was just like a win-win kind of gotcha. so i mean you just announced on the eighth in fact for this spring's uh or it was a fall the fall uh sec honor roll as well right i think so I think so. You don't even, you don't even know. She's like, they're just coming in each one now. To be completely honest, I wasn't even informed of that. Oh, All man. I know is I keep my grades up. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> if, if, if you're hearing about it, it's a bad thing, right? So, <laughs> so before I let Jay, Jay get into the LSU stuff, you know, when did colleges uh, start approaching you? And ultimately, why was it that you chose LSU? I mean, obviously, you're from the area, so – it may have always been LSU or, I mean, you know, I don't know, were there other options? Um, I would say maybe around my sophomore year, Cajun soccer club to host little um, ID camps kind of, and smaller schools would come into the mix and we would train for like a weekend and they would get to see us and showcase us. I would, my first offer was actually at LA Tech, um, but I'm always on this on this path to like push myself and to be the best that I could be. So I knew that I wanted to go to um, a really big D1 school 
that was going to challenge me and, you know, make me a better player. So I would say like around sophomore year, LSU came around my junior year. Um, they actually never attended any of the camps. Just um, the man that I was that I was underneath that was coaching me, um, he told me that they reached out to him. And I went to a couple of ID camps and they were really interested in me. And from there, it kind of took off. Was never my plan to come to LSU. Uh, I'm like a person that likes to travel. I want to see different places. I've been here all my life. So I wanted to get away for college, but I would say God has a plan and he needed me to be here for whatever reason it may be. And this was the best offer that I got. And I knew this was the school that was going to approach me the way I needed to be approached and challenge me as a player and a student because I'm used to small classes and, you know, little little group sessions and stuff like that. So, like, I would say this was the best option for me with the recruiting process. So seeing that you're used to the small class setting, you're used to that, that transition over to LSU, I mean, how was it? Were you nervous? Were you excited? What was like your first interaction coming to that big school, seeing it like that, and you stepping foot on campus? I was really nervous. Um, I didn't really know how I was going to do it, but I knew that I, it, I was going to get it done regardless. Um, right. It plays the biggest part of my life. So that's always been my motivation to strive better, whichever way it may be. And I would say with the resources that we have here, they made it super easy and comfortable for me to transition to. With the, our academic advisor, she gives us so much help. If we need it, we just have to ask or she provides it knowing the type of person that we are. Um, so I would just say it was it was it was nerve wracking. After my first freshman year, I was I was pretty good after that. Good. Okay, okay. Now, like, let, let's kind of, like, transition to the field a little bit. Like, when you had your first kind of game, um, you know, your first game right in, in front of all those fans, and you're in the SEC. So yeah. it's a little different than, you know, most people when they get, when they get into college. There's a lot of um, tradition. There's a lot more going on in the SEC. So what was it like stepping on the field the first time, um, you know, for yourself? I had all kinds of different emotions when I first stepped on the field in the SEC. It was, I think it was unreal. Um, it was another level that I was, you know, going into. Um, my freshman year was it was a lot of confusion as well like we were transitioning coaches we were looking for a coach the team dynamic was changing like they just they just came off a big high and we hit like a wall like and we kept hitting that wall all season and I'm, I think looking back to that I'm really grateful because I had to relearn the game all over again Club soccer, college soccer, even professional soccer, it's all different levels of soccer. So it was exciting. I was pumped up every single game. Like, I just have this mindset, like, yeah, I'm, you're not going to outdo me today. And right. going onto the field with that mindset every single game helped me a lot, regardless if I was relearning the game, getting used to the speed of the game. 
So it was it was a really cool experience, and I wouldn't take it back for the world. And, and Jay, I'm gonna tell you, I've seen her in person play at least I don't know six seven games now. She's fiery. She ain't lying. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I'm just gonna kind of going from our conversation, just hearing her speak. I mean, did you expect to be such a pivotal part? Like you played all 18 games your freshman your freshman year, um, yeah. and you say you had to relearn it. Uh, but you, but your performance doesn't say that. It says you came in and you did exactly what you, you, you know, what you were scheduled to do. Mm -hmm. um, so you go out and you achieve, and, and it seems like from these opportunities that you have, you just, you just grab them and you run with it. So yeah. what was it about the LSU? Was there a certain person that helped you connect? Was there, was there a certain teammate that just helped you go along with? What was it that you, you just seize that opportunity and, and, and achieve with it the way you did? To be completely honest, God plays a big part in my life. Okay. And after God is my mom. Okay. Um, they sacrifice, my parents in general, my mom and my dad sacrificed so much for me to even get to the point that I'm in now. And knowing that, like I'm catching chills just talking about it because it's just real, you know, like they've done everything for me to play at the level that I'm playing. And I do it for them. Like God, my mom, my dad, my family. I'm like the second person in my immediate family to be in college. I'm the only person to play a college sport. And, you know, my brothers always had a dream to play in college. So it's just kind of like, I do it for them. My family's like my everything. And knowing that they support me and they want me to get to the places that I want to go is just like all the motivation that I need. I'm I'm kind of self-motivated. Um, like if I put in my mind, if I want to do something or I need to get something done, I get it done. And that's just how I've been since I, I grew up. So I would say like my God, my family and just myself, you know? Yeah, but um, you know, I, I love that answer because you know, a lot of times people, and I talk to Jim about this all the time, they, they fail to remember the human side of the athlete. You know, mm -hmm. we see the performance, we see all this, but they fail to understand what the passion that goes into it and what you guys deal with on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing and one reason why I didn't want to emphasize playing in the F SEC, um, because there's a lot more to it, you know, being yeah. a young black um, individual, um, you know, in the SEC itself. Um, dealing with that side of it. Um, how how was that, so to speak, that first round? Um, I see that, you know, you scored your first goal against Mississippi State, mm -hmm. um, conference rival as well. Um, yeah. But how was that feeling, um, being in, in that in that presence against, in that, in, you know, that environment as well? Yeah. I came from Cajun Soccer Club. We just, mm -hmm. I was on a high and we just won regionals. We went to nationals twice. And when I got here, I had to start all over again. It was, it was something that was really hard for me because I lost who I was as a, a, a player. And I lost sight of the strength that I knew I had, the talent that I knew I had and I was just stuck all season trying to get myself out of a rut 
and it was kind of like I was self-doubting who I was as a person, a player, and it was hard, like, the entire season. So when I scored that goal, I was like, yes, you know, like, finally, I'm getting back to who I know I am. Um, It was just really all God. Like, you know, I think that God does everything for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. You you go through cycles or just a period of time of, you know, kind of steadiness. So once you get to where you want to be or the relief that you want to have, like it, it, it's, it feels good and you're humble in it. So I was just grateful for that moment in, in general because I knew it was always there. I just couldn't figure out how to get it out. Right. Um, I do kind of want to hear because uh, coming from my background as well, you know, I did see um, LSU soccer team has come together as a unit. Um, I know you guys take take the kneels. Um, you guys stand with immunity with that. Um, and, you know, I saw some things on Instagram at a time where our nation was battling against um, many issues, including the racism, equality. Um, your team wearing shorts in, in support of the Black Lives Matter, um, taking these together, like I said. How does that feel to be a part of that, to know that your team has your backing is, and, is, and is, you know, in line with you guys, and you guys are standing as a unit um, yeah. while you're traveling, again, in such a rigorous, uh, richer, you know, rigorous uh, division or conference? Yeah. Um, you know, because I think – on the outside, on the on the television side of things, yeah. Um, I, people that not being in person out there, I don't think they understand uh, no. that gauntlet. No, they don't. It's and we in the South, you know, mm-hmm. like when the SEC is the Southeastern Conference, so it's definitely hard. <clears throat> it's 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 relieving. I never had that before. I mean, I grew up in, I mean, we all grew up in a time where nobody talked about black lives in general. Um, And I guess I'm not a judgmental person. Not everybody kneeled on our team, but they did support us. And when we had that tough conversation, I told my side of it why I wanted to know what I believed and and they told me their sides. And it was just also, it was just, not also, but like a coming together moment. Finally, we were able to speak about it, speak our truth, speak about what our perspective of life kind of. And it's hard, you know, like I would say we travel, like I hate going to Ole Miss. <laughs> Look, I wasn't going to even say the school. I swear I wasn't. We have so many listeners from there. But Jay, since, Jay, since she since she went there, bro, I was at the game, man. Um, my daughter was going to fight like 70 frat boys. I'm not even making it up because they was yelling at her for no reason. And it was it was sickening. And, man, it got next level. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, you know, to, to the TV side of the world, I don't yeah. think a lot of people understand the gauntlet. Um, no. and I'm going I'm to use that word, you know, uh, and make sure I emphasize it, it. It's a gauntlet going down there. Mm-hmm. There's so many different things that people, without being in the know, 
there's so many different rules and regulations and laws that are even written in the in the in that are different. So it, like, it's 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 hard for me to travel. I can't even lie to you right now. Home games are my favorite because this is the only place I feel safe and heard. Um, going to I, I have no problem with Mississippi State, but Ole Miss has to be one of the only places that is hard for me to even travel to. And I guess with the, my team dynamic and the girls that I know on my team, it's it's easier for me to look at people differently and understand that it's not every individual that has this type of hatred or the mindset that they do. And I guess that's why it's good that I was comfortable talking about Black Lives Matter and like knowing that my team stood behind all of us was nice to know and hear and just you just have you know yeah, yeah. i feel like jay if if you would have went to the games her and her, her teammate tonight they uh they both were at the forefront and, and she had a different message she used to lift up her jersey um against police brutality but in that same old miss game since we went there uh she went ahead and got yellow carded and just got took off the field because she just went ahead to say she's gonna lay somebody out with no regard and i'm telling you i loved every bit of it you know um i see you did do a video uh for national girls and women in sports day mm -hmm. what was your uh what's your message uh for aspiring young female athletes uh me myself jim as well uh we're both you know dad daughter dads uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's a really big thing. And I've always pushed on, on my network uh, with, with ASAP Sports Network is that women, um, for one, uh, the women's sports don't get enough light. Yeah, um, that's but, why I really enjoy Kobe Bryant so much. Right, right. That Gigi connection, it just meant a lot. And it meant a lot for, for not just women and young girls, but also uh, young minority women that don't yeah. have that opportunity to look at the screen and see someone like them. So right. being that, that, that person and figure that being that outreach for them, you know, my daughter sits in front of the screen, she's able to look at you out there. So seeing that message and delivering it to them, being on that podium, what is your message to those type young athletes out there, young women everywhere? That girls could play sports too, just because we're women or, we don't have the arm strength or the stamina that men have doesn't mean anything. If we put our mind to it, we're capable capable of doing anything. I've seen women boss men up all day. <laughs> so, so, and I think that's what goes back to me loving that I have brothers because they pushed me, they challenged me. I played football with them. They didn't, they didn't feel sorry for me. Right. Just because I was their sister and I was related, I didn't mean anything. And I think that's that's important, you know, because they looked at me as an equal, not um their little sister or you know the girl in the family or the whatever. Girl in the family. And you know, I would just say going back to like where I'm from, Karen Crow is a small town like near Lafayette. I was the first black girl to play soccer in in my entire town and you know after I seen what it did to people I seen other little black girls start to play soccer they have about five little girls in my family that play soccer that's you know it's, it's just it's not normal 
you know, it's it's more basketball or football or track, you know. And I think I'm grateful to be that voice or that image for someone because I have the personality for it. I think I'm I'm like, you know, a lot of our black athletes left from the team. So now it's like somebody else have to step up and that's just kind of been my role. But I have no problem with speaking my truth or standing up for what I believe in. And I would just say for young girls out there all over the world, like believe in yourself because you're capable of everything. Well, when you talk about when you talk about, you know, girls soccer versus boys soccer, I'm going to tell anybody, you go to a game and check out the physicality. Uh, the boys don't be roughing up like like the girls. Oh, the fact. I've, I've always said girls soccer, they be beating each other. <laughs> look, look, hey, I'll I, I tell you what, man. Like, so we'll be we'll be at these club tournaments with my daughter and these uh, these refs will be blowing the whistle way too much. And I'll tell them, like, man, you're preparing these girls all wrong. You ain't letting them hip check or shoulder check. And I'll be like, look, if you go to the next level, that's all legal. Yeah. Seriously, I, you know, it's 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 sad to say, but I love playing with boys. I yeah. would go to practice at club club soccer. I would have practice, and then I would go train with the boys, because I, it's a different it's a different scenery. It's a different type of play. I would play with them after practice in high school as well. I would go play with them in the indoor. It's just another challenge for me, and I guess it's something that I want to prove to myself, not necessarily to them. That I could keep up with you, you well, know. Well, you got the speed to play with boys too. That's different. Some girls don't got the speed you got either. <laughs> That's a factor, but you're limiting. You're limiting. Just because I got speed, I don't mean anything. What uh, what races did you run in track? Oh, I did the hundred, the mm-hmm. two hundred, and the four by four. Oh, see, you was in and out. Just get in, get out. You was on it. Yeah. See, yep, that's fast. Them races is you was you was done. 10 minutes of your time, you was done and ready to chill. Right, yeah. Now, I do have one question, though, because we did get down there, you know, being, you know, the Tigers, um, I've, I've kind of sensed that kind of feeling from you. You got that Tiger mentality. Almost. You just, you go and you grab and you get what's yours. Um, that, because the last part of what you were saying there is that a lot of the Black athletes have left. Mm-hmm. Um is a lot of it due to that rigorous gauntlet that we've kind of talked about? No, not at all. They just were seniors. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, my bad then. But, you know, I had to ask because it, it is something that it, it is really rough. And I think that now um, I think we'll start to see a little bit um, of a change, hopefully, in a lot of these areas. Uh, especially as more of these HBCUs get more popular, more things like this start happening, they'll have to lighten up because the playing field will level, mm-hmm. you know. Correct. So I'm hoping that kind of changes something. But other than that, it's really rough out there in some of those areas. I think it we needed a start. And just I think I was surprised to even see the SEC talk about Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. because they didn't even want to let huge. You know, so I think we're going to start to see a pivot. It's going to take some time regardless. Like, it's not going to be fixed by tomorrow or next year. But I'm I'm grateful to be a part of the journey of it. Well, and, and to, 
to connect the two because we talked about just standing up for women in general. Um, and, and we're talking about in the SEC volleyball and basketball did a lot as well um, in the women. So, I mean, it was, it was a really united front amongst a bunch of different schools. Um, you know, when I wa- went and watched Kentucky uh, women's volleyball, um, you know, they were doing a lot and uh, same thing when I, I've seen LSU basketball and all that. So um, a, a lot of attention is not, not even just to, to the race issues, but to equality with women. And so, like you right. said, it's, it's going to be a long process, but nonetheless, um, it, it is getting attention, maybe not as much attention as it deserves, but nonetheless attention, which is a start and, um, you know, start, start building. And I like what I've seen so far. Like you said, not every, you know, when I went to the games, you said, you know, not everyone took a knee, but it was actually for everything that went wrong at that, that game that we talked about. Um, it was a very good teaching tool for my daughter because I was able to explain to her why knees were being taken just from that because her being a white girl not understanding I explained Mm -hmm. that is why they feel the way they feel you just saw it firsthand what they deal with that you've never had to deal with and it gave her some perspective and then fast forward a week later no joke we go to the Memphis uh soccer game not the one where y'all played them but obviously we live right down the road we went and she went with three of her teammates they're all black none of them stood up for the national anthem and normally she would have thought what in the world but you rewind back a week and it all made sense to her and she understood it and didn't question it and you know is what it it was yeah like i don't think it's talked about enough and i'm really glad that you had that opportunity to like talk to her and and you know break it down to her what's going on and also she got to see it firsthand i think the problem is we talk about it as you know black people but nobody understands until they actually experiences it and what we go through and yeah like i just think that it's not talked about enough and finally it's getting talked about and i am just i talked to my coaches like maybe a week ago about doing activities about you know not even just black history month i feel like we need to be doing this throughout the entire year and not just for black lives but hispanic lives gay lives and whatever other race, because it's about equality and it's about, you know, having people feeling comfortable in every environment, no matter what it is. A lot of it is that, that education, uh, you know, educating them on the subject matter, kind of like what you were just ex- explaining, Jim. Um, you know, so people don't, not everybody's going to have the same opportunity to be in the same situation so they can take those same outlooks as we or other people have. So educating and explaining and, and, and making it more of a comfortable situation to be open to talk about is how we close that gap. I think I think the best advice I was given Jay when it was happening in real time, um, you know, my boy Alan that I told you about played for the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, I was I was told, you know, reach out to one of your friends that's a black athlete and just ask him what they what they go through. And I and I asked him and you know that was the best advice I was given because my perspective was he was a star athlete, so he was treated like royalty. And then I told you about the time he was pulled over, and next thing you know, he had six cop cars behind him. He's the star athlete of the town, but he was treated like a criminal. And so, you know, you get perspective, and I and I get him to tell me about it, and he, and he tells me multiple other stories. But that's the best thing you can do is because 
you yourself as a white person is are not going to experience it. So you have to talk to somebody who has experience to be able to understand. And especially if it's somebody who's friends with you that you, you know, you really know. And so you can understand their heart. And so I think that's the key is opening up your ears, listening instead of speaking so much and, you know, finding out what's going on with, you know, within their lives. All the categories. Right. right. You know, to piggyback off of that, I feel like, sometimes it's uncomfortable for me to even talk about my experiences or what I go through because I don't I just feel like sometimes maybe white people get offended very easily or like we're attacking them and it's not that at all you know like I don't even know how to describe it but I think that's what sometimes withhold how I truly feel or like just how you don't want to come off wrong in the explanation yeah. of it. Yeah, so I think opening up your ears and just being willing to listen would help so much. Yeah, and I and I tell you, it's funny before as we transition back into soccer. You know, I tell you about my daughter and her uh, soccer teammates. It's always easy to point out my daughter on her soccer team because they'll be like, "Which one's your daughter?" And I'm like, she's the only white defensive player because the whole back line <laughs> is black and the goal is black. So white girl back there, number seven, the one bruising, that, that's her. But uh, but getting back into LSU soccer, you know, 2020, a uh, lot of a lot of L's we know, unfortunately, you know, uh, it, it was it, it was tough. But, you know, you know, you got got some SEC tourney victories i feel like coach hudson um you know obviously got some momentum built for you because this past season wasn't so much the same wasn't a bunch of l's as a, a bunch of w's obviously y'all got as highly ranked as uh number four you know you had win against number four arkansas you know what made the year different was it just the team um getting more experienced and bonding together under the coach you know how, how did y'all transition from the team that only won a few games to a team that gets to number five in the country a good question. I would have to say it was a lot of belief. I think that we never even we never ever looked at ourselves like, man, we're freaking good. And I think once we seen the talent that we have and how well we orchestrate together, it was just kind of like, yeah, man, we're freaking good. And we can compete with anyone. So I would say we did. We always do a lot of team activity and bonding sessions. So I think that also played a big part. But I think it was just a realization, at least for me and maybe a few of our, my other teammates, that we just realized that we was able to compete. We didn't have anything lacking. We had fresh legs with, with any point in the game that could come in and, and give the exact same effort. Mm-hmm. So it was just knowing what we had and trusting each other, you know. Well, I noticed one of the things that was done with you, uh, it showed your versatility. Um, you know, when I first started watching you, you were strictly an offensive player, but you became offense and defense, which, um, you know, I feel like that really just shows, you know, not, not only versatility, but your willingness to do whatever it takes in any given game to, to help your team win. So what was that like being able to play both sides of the ball like that? Well, basketball helped out a lot with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I really enjoy defense more than offense. Um, I 
Yeah, I was just ex- I, we had a um drill maybe a couple of weeks ago that we were split up in three groups and we had offense, defense and like a passing station. And I was just telling my t- my teammate like, you know, it's really the same like forwards and defenders have the same mentality. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm about to get past you with this ball. And then the f- defender like, yeah, I'm you're not about to get past me. So, it's it was it was the same. I had the same mindset. It was a challenge for me, which I enjoy because I always want to challenge myself, as I said before. So it was nothing different. Yes, it was new, and I had to relearn a different position, but I didn't see really any big difference in being a forward or being a defender. Yeah, no, no doubt. And and you know, obviously, I've hit on the speed a lot of different times, but. Um defensively ha- having the speed to be able to get back and stop, um, you know, the transition of the ball is, is not a bad quality to have at all. Um, no, speed's a killer. Speed's yeah. a killer. <laughs> but, you know, with this year being so much different, being so much better, what would you say was your favorite moment of this season if you had to pick one? My favorite moment would have to be the Arizona game. <laughs> Actually, when we got scored on and maybe I don't even really remember the seconds, but a minute, I would just say that. And we came back, snapped, and we just snapped. And I guess it's my favorite moment of the season because my mom was there, and she got to she got to see who she knew. She knew who I was all along, and it's because she like my other half, <laughs> my backbone, and she gives me a lot of strength. So just being able to have her sitting in those seats when I scored the you know the tying goal was was really it was just an indescribable moment for me so i would have to say that one yeah that's oh, it nice. yeah that sounds amazing so let's let's talk about what's not amazing all right so i live 20 minutes from where the university of memphis plays soccer i you know i live in mississippi but it takes me three minutes to get to tennessee i'm not even kidding so mm-hmm. the only team we root for other than lsu is memphis and they're putting the 64 team bracket together you compare anybody against each other. And I made a joke. You can ask my daughter. I made a joke. That's like, you know, it'd be our luck. They would pair LSU and Memphis together. And then that bracket came out. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, we root for two teams. And LSU's number one, to be clear. Um, but it was like, seriously? And, and it was in Memphis. So that was the good thing was we weren't going to have to travel far to watch it. But we were going to have to pick a side. Um and, you know, you saw me. We took pictures together. I, I wore the purple and gold, but unfortunately it didn't It didn't go well. But, you know, nonetheless, you were in the NCAA tournament. You got to travel here to Memphis. You know, what was that experience like? It was <clears throat> kind of the same as my freshman year, the first game. You know, I'd never been in an NCAA game before. And to be honest, I didn't even know less dance. You know that saying <laughs> that they, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant, so it was cool. Um, I would have to say that tournament, you got to be hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to be hungry. Well, and, and watching Memphis all year and, and watching you guys, and, and this is soccer, you know, basically in a nutshell, it's about execution. I don't think – I watched right. them all year. I watched y'all all year. And, you know, y'all were the 8-9 seed, so y'all are obviously even matched. Um they just executed better that day. I don't think they were a better team necessarily. It's just, um, you know, and that's the way it kind of went. But with that that said, going into next year, you know, 
there's always room for improvement for everyone. Um, what's the one thing that you feel like you need to improve upon most going into next season? I think what I would have to improve in for next season would have to be execution, whether that's lifting a ball in the air to my teammate, playing it on the ground, or just taking a shot myself. And I think that's the next level of my game because, I mean, I was told this, but I know this for myself as well. And just long balls, like being able to hit that ball down the line because now I'm a defender, you know, that that has to be in my toolbox. Um, and also just being confident, you know. I just need to be confident and, and remember that I'm here for a reason. And, you know, I got talent. And just believe in that. Who who on that back line is coming back with you? Is Maya, Shannon, who's going to be back there with you? All of them. <laughs> All of them will be back? Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Ain't, no, ain't nobody scoring because Molly's obviously back in goal. Let's go. <laughs> Our whole defensive line is the same. Plus Lindsay. I don't know if you know her. Lindsay Jennings, she's added to the back line as well. Anybody who knows anything about soccer, you want that defense locks solid. Yeah. We'll work on we'll work on the rest. We'll work on everything else. We can we can slip by and get some get some you got that defense on lock. It's hard out there. All right. So I know we went through a bunch of serious topics, but we end every uh, episode by playing a game called this or that. You down to play? Yeah, let's go. All right, so you you threw my first question out because I was going to ask you right. offense or defense, but you already just told, told me. us that. <laughs> out. So, be, being a Louisiana woman, I got to ask you: gumbo or red beans and rice? Gumbo. All right, gumbo or jambalaya? Gumbo. Gumbo all the way. All right, I feel you. I feel you. All right, would you rather a guy be smart or be funny? Funny. Why is that? Because you can learn how to be smart. You don't really have money. It doesn't come naturally. All right. Would you rather have good hair or good teeth? Teeth. To uh, fix, fix your teeth too, but <laughs> it's it's a lot more expensive too. Look, we I, we got we got a lot of uh, hair answers during the um you know the COVID time because everybody can wear masks. So if you have messed up teeth, you can hide that. So those days are behind yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you rather call someone or text someone? Call. All right. Would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Neither. I'd rather just be in the present. Neither is the rule. You can't you have to pick in this or that. You can't do that. Okay. Um this the, or that. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't mean that you know you don't want to be in the present, but if you just had to pick one or the other. I know. <laughs> but that was my true answer. I feel you, I feel you. All right. I got the last two questions. These are our staple questions. This is where it gets hard. You just got all the softball questions. All right. Would you rather do five years in jail or 10 years in a coma? Five years in jail. Man, no, no hesitation. So you, you about that life. You, you rather have that than the nap? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually with you. My, my other host, Daniel, he's adamant that he would take the nap. Jail is not for him. I told him, I said, 10 years is a long time to miss on top of the fact that 
having kids, I mean, they'd be growing up. So I put that in 10 years and no memories, like absolutely none. At least I can remember the drink I had. Like, (laughs) yeah, that water fountain sucked, but you know what? I had some water. Okay. I always be aware of what's going on at all times. All right. So I I figure I know the answer to this last question, but, but we always ask anyway. Um, and we always preface it and, 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 ask it in a way that fits your sport. So would you rather be the number one pick in the MLS draft, but you had to lose your friends as part of the the prerequisite, or would you rather not be drafted at all and keep all your friends? Hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh man, that's that's what it is. (laughs) This is the only question I got to think about. I would have to say, dang. Look, you can get new friends. Let's let's just let's just talk about it, okay? <laughs> I didn't say you had to lose your family. I didn't say you had to. Lose, hey, you can keep them. I don't mean they're gonna be real though. <laughs> right, right. The one that came from me. I get drafted and keep all my friends. Oh, oh. <laughs> I See, thought we might actually have somebody the this. way, Jay. Everybody always says that, Jay. I thought we actually were going to have someone actually say they was going to take the high draft pick and the money, but everybody's going to stay that friends route. Yeah, because once this is aired, their phones will be blowing up like, oh, really? But, <laughs> oh, but Jay, they're going to understand when they get our age that that friend circle gets real small anyway. They all disappear. already small for me, so it don't really matter. Well, those friends <laughs> right. must, be, must be tight with you because you're not throwing them away for that first pick. I'm not. See, see I would have had to ask if I could throw a couple of friends as family and then we could just pack up together and take this pick. See, <laughs> I'm going to – me. I'm gonna tell y'all guys right now. Look, look. You know, back when I played football, if if it would have been the number one pick, bye to everybody and family. See y'all. Like I'm out of here. Like let's go. About it. You gonna be playing? You gonna be playing for like maybe ten years max, and then you're not gonna have friends. You gotta be friends for the rest. Do you see the life Joe Burrow's living right now? Joey B, Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty. I could be him. But Jim, it ain't gonna be fun golfing by yourself. Man, Yo, it will be. It will be when I'm tipping the caddy hundos. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, getting your Definitely. story, get, getting to talk about everything. Before we let you go, you know, is there anything uh, that we haven't talked about that you want to plug or promote? You know, uh, whether it be yourself or LSU. I would just say, don't sleep on us. Be ready. We heard that. We heard that. All right, Jay. Another amazing episode in the books with our guest, Ramey Noel. If you like hearing her story or you like hearing Average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share on Facebook. Reach with us on Twitter. Subscribe to Apple and Spotify. And we will see everyone back next week when we'll be joined by Mississippi State baseball pitcher Preston Johnson. This has been the End Off the Bench podcast. And remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.